Hallelujah. You know, three weeks ago, I started a series on being planted. And, you know, we started about those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. And I'm not going to take a whole lot of time to review, but just to establish a few points this morning. Just that word, those that are planted in the house of the Lord, that word planted there in the Hebrew is the word transplanted. So it actually doesn't mean where it planted and grew up, but it means once I was planted here, but now I am transplanted somewhere else. So see, once Justin was planted in the world, and now I'm transplanted in God's house. So what does his house represent? It represents his word. It represents his presence. It represents his direction. It represents everything that he is. So those that are planted in his house shall flourish. Are you planted in his house? Amen. And so this series about being planted is, is not necessarily just about being involved in church, but it's really what we're establishing is being planted is about fulfilling the plan and purpose on your life. And I, I'm going to continue to do a little bit of review here, but I'm going to read this in John chapter 12. I'm going to read in the Amplified this week. Verse 23 says, And Jesus answered them, The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified and exalted. The King James says, the hour has come that the Son of Man be glorified. So what we've established is Jesus is telling the disciples like this. Hey, Rick, Rick, right now, right now, this is why I'm here. Right now, the hour has come, Cassie. That hour is right now. Reason why I was born is the hour right now. Because right now, I'm the Son of Man. And right now, I'm about to be glorified. So, so here Jesus is really talking about fulfilling his destiny. He's talking about fulfilling his purpose. And he goes in and he talks about and he delivers to us what I believe is, is how are we going to fulfill the purpose that God has placed upon our lives? Verse 24 says, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains so, so Jesus is really telling us, how is he going to fit, fulfill his destiny? Just like that grain of wheat is going to fulfill its destiny. It's not going to happen until it's planted somewhere. It's not going to happen until it's planted. So Jesus is telling us, hey, my hour has come for me to be glorified. So then he talk, starts talking about a grain of wheat. What does that have to do with anything? He's trying to explain to us how he completed his purpose. Unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground... And die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Now, you got to understand this seed. Last week, we talked about the potential of a seed. You see, as long as I just hold a seed in my hand, that seed is limited. The moment I release that seed into the right ground, next thing you know, it has unlimited possibilities. So what Jesus wants the disciples to see, if you want to fulfill your destiny, you're going to have to plant yourself and you're going to have to die. Meaning what you want is going to have to die. You know, you, what you, you know, and, and this has really been big on the inside of me. And, and just as I keep praying about this, how the Lord keeps telling me, he says, he goes, there's a lot of seeds that come to church every week, but they always stay in seed stage. See, you got born again by the grace of God. You received salvation by the grace of God. So I'm not talking about working for your salvation, but I'm talking about fulfilling your purpose. There's a difference. So, so here, there's a lot of people that have, are saved, they're born again, and they just show up to church, and they're that seed, they're sitting in the chair. But Jesus says, except a grain, except a grain of wheat, fall into the ground and die. So I had to come to a place where I was tired of seed stage in my life. I was tired of, uh, of, of just, just, just going through the motions, just going through life. No, I was, I, there was something crying out on the inside of me that I wanted something more. Yeah. But Jesus was telling them, hey, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. Yeah. You have untapped potential. I mean, you have unlimited potential in your life. All the Lord's waiting for you to do is plant yourself somewhere. All he's wanting you to do is plant yourself in his word. All he's wanting you to do is you to plant yourself in his presence. Unless a seed be planted in the ground and die, it won't bring forth much fruit. It won't bring forth much fruit. Look at this in the Amplified. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains, get this, just one grain. It never becomes more, but lives by itself alone. I don't, I, don't wanna, I, I don't want my life just to be about me. 
You see, and, and if you make everything in your life just about you, you haven't planted yourself yet. If it's all about what you want, it's all about where you're going, it's all about, you know, everything having to do with you, then you haven't planted yourself yet. Because everything that God wants to do in you, he wants to do through you to affect someone else's life. Verse 25, anyone who loves this life loses it, but anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Whoever has no love for, no concern for, no regard for his life here on earth, but despises it, preserves his life forever and ever. So here Jesus is trying to tell the disciples, this is how you're going to fulfill. This is how God's going to glorify you in the earth. So how do you die? That's a question we've been also answering. So Jesus then tells them, how do we die? If any man serves me, he must continue to follow me. You see, the aspect of dying is following. And last week we talked about following is the currency of discipleship. Following is the currency of discipleship. Jesus was was talking about dying, so to speak, a physical death. He's talking about die to what you want and follow something different. Follow a different path. Follow a different path for your life. We talked about following will never lead you into a place of loss. When you follow Jesus, it will never lead you into a place of loss. Following will lead you into a place of fulfillment and freedom. And also following will cause you to be something that you could never be on your own. That's why Jesus told the disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you what you couldn't be on your own. So if you want, you want God to fulfill why you were created? See, he has thoughts and plans about you. He has plans and purposes for you. He has desires for you. He has a course for your life. But you know what? We have to follow him. We need to follow him in our lives. Not follow our emotions. Not follow our feelings. Follow him. Follow his word. Follow his direction in our lives. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Why do we follow? Why do we follow? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says, We are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works. Which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking the paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Why do we follow? Because he has passed for us. Why do we follow? Because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may take those paths. That he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Living a good life. He has a good life for you, Vic. He has a good life for you, Rochelle. You You know, you're his workmanship. You know, I closed that last week talking about that he is the potter and we are the clay. You see, we are his workmanship. He created you with purpose on the inside of you. He created you with extraordinary things on the inside of you. He established heritage of faith because heritage of faith would one day do something extraordinary in Crowley, Texas. We are his workmanship. See, why do we follow? Because he has paths for each one of us. He has a path for you. He has a path for you. He has a destiny for you. That's why we have to follow. That's why we have to continue to pursue after him. That's why we continue to stay in his word. Why? Because it's discovering his path and his plan for our lives. He has a path for us. He has a purpose for every single one of us. You're not, you're, not here, you're not here by accident. You're not here for just an insignificant purpose. You have greatness down on the inside of you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, when he says, I know the thoughts that I have for you. That word thoughts is where we get our word machine from. And, and, it's, and it's meaning I know why I created you and I know the task that you will accomplish. I have, I have thoughts about you.
So how are we going to walk in this? How are we going to walk out this path? You know, if, if we go back and look at a seed for a minute, and we know this, the, the laws of seed, time, and harvest, what seed, time, and harvest, right? We, we like the, the seed part. We, we like the sowing of seed, right? And we like the harvest part. But do we like the time part? You see, this aspect of dying that I, I want to deal with this morning and following is, is that seed, when you plant that seed, you can't see what's happening. You, you, you plant the seed, you know, in, in Mark chapter four, it talks about that you plant, the farmer plants the seed, the kingdom of God is if a man were to sow a seed and it says it grows up. It doesn't know how it just does. So, you know, you, you plant that seed and, and all of a sudden one day, bam, it breaks through. But you necessarily don't know exactly the exact timetable of when what was happening between the time you planted it and the time that it broke through the ground. Amen. See, there's this time factor. And see, you, you don't know that the, the moment that you, the day you got born again and you decided to follow Jesus and you planted your life in the word and you planted your life in a church, you planted your life in his presence. You, you don't know what you, you, you have these desires in your heart. You have these things, these dreams that you're, you're wanting to go after. But what, what I want you to see is you don't know what God's working on in you. You see, when you plant your life in God, it allows him to do a work in you. So ultimately he can do a work through you. So, so we have to understand something about this time aspect. Because something that I believe that robs people from inheriting their destiny is, is, is trying to do things too quickly. And not allowing the work, uh, the, the, the work to be done in our lives, in our hearts. I've seen it time and time again when, when, especially when someone that's famous would get born again and all of a sudden they put them on TBN like the next week and, and, and the next thing you know, a month later, you're like, what happened? Where they went back to, do I, there was, there was, there's a calling on their life, but yet there's this season of what I want to call preparation. You, there's a, there, you know, I, I got born again in 1993. You know what? The next week I didn't start pastoring. You know, even in this process, when, when I first started pastoring and they had, they, they asked me to pastor and, and started preaching, I had only preached four times in my life. So some of you had to go through preparation process with me. I mean, there, there were, there were seasons in my life. You know, when I first started pastoring, I didn't know how to pastor. I'm like walking on water here. I was, I was scared of people, <laughs> let alone pastor people. I, I, I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to talk. I was, for people that are new, I was the red-faced preacher. You know, you're, some of you heard me tell the story. My mom would say, well, when the anointing comes on Justin, he just turns all red. I said, mom, that's not the anointing. That's fear. That's fear. That's nothing but fear. And, and, so, and so all the time where, where I made the decision to follow and I planted myself... But even in that aspect, even before then, I had to plant myself in the word and there were things happening. I couldn't see what was happening on the. No one else could see what was happening on the surface. No one else could see what's happening. But something was happening in me. Why? Because I made a decision to follow. But I couldn't despise the seasons and time. Where God is doing a work in me that no one else can see. And I might not even see it myself, but it's happening. You know, there were times where, where, where once I got to the aspect of being able to communicate better, then it was like, okay, I, I, best, I better learn how to, to, to pastor now. <laughs> you know, so there's a season of learning this aspect. Then it was like, okay, well, I, I, I kind of have, I, I know I'm anointed to pastor. I have a heart to pastor. But you know what? I don't know how to lead people. I mean, I need to be a better leader. So now I'm in preparation of, of leading people. Why? Because God wants to do a greater work in me. But you know what? I have to allow him to do the work in me. And, and so often people want to show up in church and the next week be, be, be preaching behind a pulpit. No, you let, let God do a work in your heart. Let him do a work in your heart. And I'm so grateful for the grace of God. That's when the great grace of God kicks in. 
when you've only preached four times in your life and you're used to hearing the people listening, you're used to hearing Jerry Savelle and now they have to listen to Justin. <laughs> Some of you might be saying that right now, but, <laughs> but you don't know when you plant yourself, you, you can't see what's going on in the surface. But just because you can't see what's going on in the surface, do not not plant yourself. Yeah. Don't dig up your seed. Come on. You know, and this is not a ploy. Rick's not saying these things to you because if you're called to be in a church, another church, get there. But if you're called to be in this church, be sold out and be here. Be here. Be sold out. Show up early. Get involved. Get plugged in. Serve. Because it's in those aspects of serving. You know, when I when I first started here, though, in 2002, I, I served, I've served the, the three to five-year-olds for several years. I, I ran the bookstore. I, I ran, Ron and I, Ron and I were up in the sound booth. Ron contested. Him and I were doing sound. Yeah. Up here, every worship practice. Up here, you know, doing sound. And it, something goes wrong, everyone looks at you. You know, I was, <laughs> I, I was the one you looked at when something was going wrong. You know, but the thing, it, it was preparation. It was, it was faithfulness. It was, it was this aspect of, you know what? God's doing a work in me. You know what? And there's going to come a time where he's going to do a work through me that, that, that is going to be beyond what I could ever ask, think, dream, or imagine. Preparation. See, when you, when you plant a seed, the, the preparation is what, is what brings about fulfillment. The preparation is what causes the seed... To bring about optimum harvest. Because sometimes you could sow a seed and if it grows up quickly, but yet it has any root, what happens? It withers. So preparation is, is so important to our lives and so important in fulfilling this call. Being planted is about preparation time. Preparation time is bringing us, is, preparation time is about bringing us into seasons of producing. Preparation time is never wasted time. We all want producing, but do we welcome preparation? Now, if we were literally look out, look throughout the word and we see different ones that did great things, don't just look at the great things they did, but look at where they came from. Look at, look at Joshua that followed Moses for 40 years in the wilderness Followed him in the wilderness. Got to a point where, where, he, where Moses even knew that this is the man that's going to take my place. And, and goes over before Moses dies and, and, or goes off and, and, and leaves and, and, and lays his hand on it. Says he imparted his strength into him. His grace. And what, there was preparation there. See, in the things that Joshua learned, maybe, maybe things that maybe even learned things from maybe Moses' mistake. Maybe he learned some different things and, and this was all preparation time. It was all pre- preparation time. So when God says, it's time for you to go over this Jordan, Joshua could say, okay, let's go. But it was preparation time. How about Elisha following Elijah? Eli- Elisha was like, I'm, I'm not going to leave you. It doesn't matter. I'm not leaving you. And he said, well, if you, if you see me go, then you'll, you'll receive my mantle and, and you'll do double what I do. What Elisha followed him everywhere he went. What was that doing? It was preparing him. It was preparing him. We, it, it was discipleship. It was him seeing how did Elisha do things? How did Elisha speak? What did he do when he was facing difficult situations? And this was all preparing him. See, a lot of times people just want to, okay, I'm called into ministry. I want to go out and do. But no, you need to get into a place where you're, you're learning and God is cultivating the gifts. God's cultivating the assignment. He's, he's maturing the assignment and he's maturing the vision. He's maturing all these different aspects in your life. But you know what? You have to be planted there in the season of preparation because there's a time when Elisha will leave. There's a time Elijah leaves. So Elisha needs to be ready to step in and take his place. See, you need to be prepared so you can be the, you, you can be the next Elisha in your life. You, so you can be the next whatever in your life. But you know what? You have, to, you have to be able to be satisfied in the preparation time. I know this might not be a popular message or a great anniversary message, but, but you, I'm going somewhere because, because God wants to do something great through you and he wants to do something great through this church. And see, we've been in a, we've been in a preparation season. 
See, when you, you, you plant that seed, what is the preparation time? The preparation time is the time of watering it. It's the time the sun gives it. It's, it's the time that you, you're cultivating the ground. It's the time you're pulling out the weeds. You're, even before you're seeing anything come up, you're, you're in preparation time. Even when it grows up and it might not have any fruit yet, but it's growing up. What is, then you have a pruning process. There's, there's all sorts of things that take place for you to become, to be, for maximum fulfillment. But it's found in this word preparation. So when Jesus was saying, hey, when you plant, a grain falls in the wheat and, 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 and dies, it abides alone. What? That's preparation time. It's preparation time. I'm, I'm still in preparation time. I'm still in preparation time. I'm still in preparation time. We're all in some aspect of pre- preparation time. Some of her in aspect of watering. Some people, some, some people are in aspects of pruning. Some people are in different aspects. But welcome the process because I'm telling you, on the other side of it, I'm telling you, you can't see it right now. You can't necessarily see the end right now. But, but if you endure this preparation process, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you will be so glad you did. What about David? David, you know, here he was anointed king at a young age. You know, and you would have think after he was anointed king the next day, the next day he would have marched into the palace. And, and you know what? Where's my crown? Give me my crown. I want my, I'm king. They, you know, Samuel, you know, he's the prophet. Everyone knows him. You know, he is the man, the man of all men. Samuel, you know his name. You know what? He just anointed. He dumped a whole lot of oil on me. I got more oil than the last guy got. And you know what? I'm anointed. I'm greasy. And you know what? I am set ready to go and I'm ready to be king. But you know what? He didn't, get the, he didn't get the crown the next day. He didn't get the crown the next day. What, what, what happened was is he, he went back out and, and, is, and is serving and, and taking care of his father's sheep. See, a lot of times, you know, we, 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 we could be walking around and serving in a department of a church and saying, well, I'm really called to be over there. I'm really called to preach the gospel, pastor, but I'm over here changing diapers. You, you, you can operate in just as strong anointing, changing diapers as you can when you're preaching. I've done it. We had our, 18 month, we had our 18th month old uh, grandson for two weeks and I was the best Papa Justin diaper changer there is. You know what? And I still preach here on Sunday too. You, so so you, you have to understand something about David. Is it, it, He was anointed king, but did, did, did he step into that kingship the next day? No. He's out there taking care of sheep. He's, he's spending time worshiping God. So a lot of the Psalms he, he wrote were, were done, some of them I believe was before he was king. These are things, it's his relationship with God. He's... he's He's working on his craft, his music ability. He's pr- preparing himself in all sorts of things to where, to where next thing you know, he's being asked into the king's palace and he's playing before the king and, and he's playing his harp and he's probably thinking, you know what, I'm really the king, but you know what, I'm going to play because you're really mean to me, but I'm going to play this harp anyway. No, he played it willingly and just, just out of a pure heart. And when he would play, the presence of God would come in and the demonic forces that, that put Saul in distress would all of a sudden be subsided because of the anointing that was in his life. But what if he just sat back and said, well, I'm supposed to be king. No, I'm not doing, I'm not, dad, I'm not going out to that, that field again because I'm anointed king. See, a lot of times we do that because, and then when we do that, you know what? You're still in seed stage. You know, and so when he was, he was out there in the field, what was it? he killed the lion and he killed the bear. So, that, so then in time he could stand in the Valley of Elah and be able to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Why could he say that? Because now I've got to know God. Now I've got to know the one that's anointed me. And so once you, you continue on and you allow that preparation to process, you will step into the vision that God's placed in your heart. But don't, don't pull up your seed. Don't keep pulling up your life, moving from this place to that place. And no, get settled and allow the preparation, work to, the preparation process to work in your life. 
Let's go to, go to John, uh, Luke chapter 2. I mean, sorry, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Preparation time. Being planted in the house of God is about preparation time. Jesus said, if you plant a seed and it dies, it brings forth much fruit. In Luke chapter 1, look at verse 76. And this is the song of Zechariah. John the Baptist's father is prophesying over his son. Verse 76 says, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. To give knowledge of salvation unto the people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has visited us. To give light to them that sit in darkness. And in the shadow of death to guide our feet into a way of peace. Let's stop there. Now get this. Zechariah is prophesying over the John the Baptist. And he says this in, in verse 76. And thou child shall be called the prophet of the highest. See, a lot of times we like to stop there. And we can talk about all the amazing things that John the Baptist is going to do. You're going to be the prophet of the highest. You know, you know, Rick, you're a prophet, but you know what? You're going to be the prophet of the highest. You know, not just the high, but the highest. And John the Baptist going throughout his life and just saying, you know what? I'm the prophet of the highest. Hey, Vic, how are you? I'm the, I'm the prophet of the highest. How are you? Do you? Are you glad? Do you want to touch me? I am, I am the prophet of the highest. There's no other... Prophet more higher stirred than me because I am the most high prophet. And so we can get in this aspect where we focus on we focus on what we want. We focus on where we're going to go. And I'm not saying that we don't do that. Yes. Have a vision set before you. Yes. Keep that vision before you because God has a purpose for your life. But the thing is, is a lot of times we sit back and we'll declare we'll, we'll declare a prophetic word and we'll declare things. But we don't put any actions to our life. Well, one day. Well, you know, one day, you know what, I'm going to, one day I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lead one day. I'm going to do that. But right now you can't even lead yourself. One day, well, you know, one day, you know, one day, you know, one day I'm going to get really involved, pastor. And one day, you know, I'm going to be a great leader for you. Well, start somewhere. A lot of times people just want a title, but don't understand the preparation process. Because see, if you get into a place too soon, what happens is you may set yourself up to fail. Some other leadership teachings there. But now let's look at verse 80. Because this is, this is important here. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. See, a lot of times we want to talk about being the prophet of the highest, but we do. We like the preparation that takes place in the wilderness. See, John the Baptist grew and he waxed strong in spirit and he was in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. Meaning he was in a place of preparation until it was his season to step out. It was until his season. You know what? And all of a sudden he knew when that season was. He's out there and really no one knows what's going on and he's already out there. And he's speaking about and he's talking about there's one coming, there's one coming, there's one coming. But there was seasons. We don't know necessarily how long this season was. We know he's six months older than Jesus, right? Something like that. Nine months, six months older than Jesus. But he's doing his part. But he had to go through this time of preparation. How about Jesus? Here, Jesus, you're going to be Emmanuel. God with us. And so Jesus separates from his parents and they can't find him and they come back to Jerusalem and, and they get mad at him. Well, where, why are you here? He goes, well, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house of doing my father's business? But right after that in, in, in John two, in Luke two forty two two fifty two, he says, but he grew in wisdom and favor with God and man. See, Jesus even had to spend 30 years in preparation to step in to being the Emmanuel that he was called before he was ever born. You know, I, there was times in my life, in my Christian walk, where I tried to do before I was. 
And I had to get to a place where I was confident in who I be. <laughs> I had to be confident in who I am. I'm not trying to be like Dr. Savell. Not trying to be like other men. I had to be confident in who I am. And, and when you get confident and through that preparation time of knowing who you are in God and knowing who you are in his word, then when you do, it changes everything. Preparation time. I believe all of us and as individuals, we've been and are in preparation time. This church is, has been in, in, in preparation time. But I believe when, once you come to a place where you are coming out of preparation time, you step into a season of release. And I believe in, as a church, and I know Dr. Savoy will probably have a prophetic word you know, as we get into this season, but as just praying over the church and the church aspect of things and you as individuals, what I kept hearing in my heart is, is on the other side of, on the other side of preparation is release. Remember that those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. The word flourish in the, in, in the Hebrew, one of the definition is to break forth and bud. Meaning it's break forth and bud. It's not just growing a little bit. No, you break forth and you bud. And I believe on the other side of preparation seasons are seasons of release. Let's go to Isaiah 49 and I'll start closing with this. Might have one more scripture after this. Isaiah 49. As a church, we've been in a preparation season. And that could mean seasons of watering, seasons of growth, could be seasons of pruning. Whatever it is, it's preparation. Because there comes a time on the other side of preparation, you step into seasons of release. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Just say, thank you, Father, for preparation seasons. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 1. He says, Listen to me, O isles and coastlands, and hearken you people from afar. It's not just talking about distance, it's also talking about time. It's a prophetic scripture. Listen to me, O isles and coastlands, and hearken you people from afar. I'm reading the Amplified. The Lord has called me from the womb. From the body, body of my mother, he has named my name. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand has he hid me, and he made me a polished arrow in his quiver, and he kept me close and concealed me. And the Lord said to me, you are my servant Israel, you who strive with God and with men and prevail in whom I will be glorified. What's he saying here? He's saying, listen, people. Listen to those that are here and those that are far. I want you to get a hold of something. He says this in verse 2, and he made my mouth like a sharp sword. Meaning, meaning as you were, you were in, as you were in this season that you planned yourself, God is making your mouth like a sharp sword. He's talking about as God is doing a work in you, he's going to do something in you that you're going to release out of, out, out of you into someone else's life. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. See, that's, no one else can see you're hidden. It's this preparation. It's the time under the ground, under the surface. You don't, see a, you don't see a sprout yet. You don't see anything coming up yet, but it's in hiding. It's in the secret place that God is working in your life. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me, and he made me a polished arrow. Wow. What's a, a polished arrow? Meaning, man, you are, you are, God is working off rough edges. He's working in your heart. He's... He's, he's perfecting the, the, the feathers on the back that, that help you fly straighter. He's doing everything pristine. He's, he's sanding everything down just right. He's, he's, he's tempered the, 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 the metal or the, the alloy on, the, on the, the tip of the arrow just the way it needs to be. It's, it's doing everything peculiar. In hiding, he's done this. In this secret place, he's done this. And we are this polished arrow in his quiver. He kept me close and concealed me. What does it represent? It represents God is doing a work in your life. He's doing a work in your life. Then he says this, and you said to me, you are my servant Israel. See, you represent, see, you are God's people. If you look at, if you look in Galatians, it talks in, and Ephesians, it talks about you are the true Israel of God. 
We are Gentiles, Jews that have made Jesus the Lord of our life. We are the true Israel of God, the New Testament tells us. So let's put ourselves in this. And he made Justin's mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand has he hit Justin and made Justin a polished arrow. In, in God's quiver, he has kept Justin close and concealed me. And the Lord said to Justin, you are my servant in whom I will be glorified. Meaning I, I've done a work in this preparation. I've done this work on the inside of you and you are my servant. You're, and I've done it for a reason. I've done a work in you because, because there's something that I want you to do. Verse four says, then said I, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and empty futility. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense is with my God. And now says the Lord, now listen to this, who formed me from the womb to be his servant. And now says the Lord who formed Justin from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, that Israel might be gathered to him and not be swept away for I am honorable for Justin is honorable in the eyes of the Lord. And my God has become Justin's strength. He says it's too light a thing that Justin should be my servant just to raise up tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of the judgment of Israel. I will also give Justin for the light of the nations that my salvation may extend to the end of the earth. What I mean by why is preparation Time so important because you are that polished arrow. When you allow that preparation time to take place in your life, you become this polished arrow in his quiver to time when, when he, he pulls you out and he pulls back. And he goes, it's not just enough for you to bring back my Jewish people. And it's not just enough for you to reach these people, but it's for you to be a light to the nations. Release. You see, God wants to do a work in you so he can release something out of you. God has been doing a a preparation within me as your pastor. He's doing a preparation in this church body and our leadership team so he can release us into this community to make a mark that can't be erased. You see, our vision for Heritage of Faith is by 2023 that we will be 2,000 people. We'll have a team of 500 people that go out every month and minister in local outreaches and serve the needs of this community. That's right. So what, the things I'm preaching to you, that, this is an anniversary message. Because it's for you to know that, that, that you need to, we need to continue to walk through our preparation process so God can release each one of us into our destiny. And we need to continue to go through the preparation process as a church so we can impact this community on why God visited Miss Carolyn to begin with. Go to John 12, and I'll close with this. You are a polished arrow. You are a polished arrow. No one else might see it, but you're a polished arrow. Hallelujah. John chapter 12, verse 23. And Jesus answered them, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified and exalted. Hallelujah. I believe the time has come for you to go up another level. I believe the time has come for heritage of faith to go up to another level. You say, well, Jesus, no, Jesus is telling the disciples on a principle on how he finished his destiny. Let me read this in context and you'll see what I'm saying. Verse 24, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just one grain. It never becomes more but lives by itself alone. But if that grain dies, if Justin dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest. Put your name there. But if my name dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest. If anyone who loves his life loses it, anyone who loves his life loses it. Meaning if I, you know, see, if you hold on to your life, you won't plant your life. That's really what that's saying. But if anyone who hates his life in this world will keep his life to life eternal. Meaning, meaning I don't place, I don't place all my value in the world system anymore. I planted myself in a new kingdom. 
Whoever has no love for, no concern for, no regard for his life here on earth, but despises it, preserves his life forever and ever. Verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must continue to follow me, to cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying. And wherever I am, there will my servant be also. If any man serve me, the father will honor. Verse 27, now my soul is troubled in distress. And what shall I say? So Jesus is saying, look, this is a difficult thing. My soul is troubled. This is a difficult step. Next phrase, next phrase says, Father, what should I say? So Jesus is asking the question, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour of trial and agony. See, a lot of times when I'm saying about being planted, you know, see, you know what? You have to give up something. I had to give up friends when I made Jesus the Lord of my life. I had to give up ways of doing things. There's things that I knew God wanted to do in my life and it wasn't going to happen if I kept doing what everyone else was doing. I had to do something different. And so, so, so Jesus is saying here, he goes, I'm in distress, but what should I say? Father, save me. Should I, should I say, okay, father, I I don't want to do this. And then it keeps on talking here and it says, but it was for this very purpose that I have come to this hour that I might undergo it. Father, glorify your own name. It was for this hour. I believe you were born for such a time as this. Jesus was saying, you know, the hour has come. Should I say I don't want to do it? No. He's saying, because this is why I came. This is why I was born. This is why I'm here. And I want to encourage you as your pastor, as a leader over this church body. Keep going through the preparation process. Keep going through. Plant yourself. Because on the other side of it, I'm telling you, you're a polished arrow. And God is just waiting to release you into your destiny and release you into things that you never thought you could do. I never thought in my life that I'd be on like TBN, ministering the gospel. I never thought I'd be on internet around the world. Never thought I'd be on Dr. Savell's program preaching the gospel 25 years ago. But the thing is, is I just had this desire to pursue God and follow God and just allow him to prepare me. To be a polished arrow. I believe that you're stepping into being a polished arrow. And I believe as a church body. We are a polished arrow. And 2018 is going to be a season of release. In this church body. And a season of release in your personal life. Amen. Father we thank you for the word today. And we thank you for your goodness. And your faithfulness. I thank you father for heritage of faith. I thank you that you are the one. That established this church body. It wasn't established because it was, it was a good idea or it was, or it was something that it sounds good. No, it was established because you planted it. And so, Father, I thank you for the preparation that is taking place in this church body. And I thank you for the preparation that's taking place in every single person in here and those watching by way of Internet. I thank you, Father, for the great things the extraordinary potential that you have down the inside of us. And I thank you that I believe this season that we're stepping into is a season where we release it into our families, into our children, into Crowley and South Fort Worth and wherever we might live, we release. We release what you placed in us. We release revelation you placed in us. We release faith over this community. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Everyone stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Do you need a podium? I couldn't get away from this. Will you hold this? Mm-hmm. As he was talking about preparation, I heard this in my spirit. This scripture, Romans 13, 12, in the message translation. 
in Romans 13 and 11, it says the hour is near. It's high time. <laughs> it says it's high time for you to wake up out of your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. This is the scripture I kept hearing. In Romans 13, 12, it says the night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work that he began in you. I kept hearing he's putting on the finishing touches. When you kept saying preparation, I just kept sensing. You know, when you know a guest is coming, you start to prepare. But the finishing touches are the most important thing, aren't they? You know, it's like you start tidying up. You start seeing things. That the finishing touches. And I really sense he's putting the finishing touches on his church because he is coming. He is coming. Yeah. Yes. And this is high time. The hour has come. He is putting the finishing touches on his church because there's a work to be done. He says, be up and awake to what I'm doing. I'm putting the finishing touches on the salvation work that I began on you in you you when you first believed. This is an important time. So good. It is so exciting to be here (laughs) at this time. Yeah. We are going to usher in. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. He chose us. He chose us, church. We need to submit to the preparation time because he's about to put finishing touches on us. Isn't that good? I'm so excited. It's like he's coming. But we've got to submit to this time to be prepared. And to be ready. You know, um, Amen. You know, I was thinking about preparation. And I was thinking about even with Dr. Savell. Dr. Savell had a business and the Lord directed him to close his business down. And he spent nine months, eight hours a day in his bedroom. Submitted to that. Submitted. That was preparation time. And, and it said he, he, I may not say it right, but he said he came out of that bedroom with the, the fire of God in his eyes and the word of God in his heart. Is that right? You know, for my life and, you know, you know we, our whole thing as a church is to make winners in life. That's what we're called to do. That's what Doctor's ministry has been about for 48 years, to make winners in life. And, 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 but how do we and how are we going to accomplish it as a church body? You know, everything we go, every week in our staff meetings, we go over several things. We go over our core principles, our core values. We go over, you know, uh, why do we exist? Why do we exist? Because there's hurting people in our community. He told us to love them for him. Next thing we do, we talk about what are we called to do? Make winners in life. How are we going to accomplish it? An experience with God, equip people with the tools needed to succeed, and engaging people to influence the world. That's what we're about. That's how we're going to make winners. You know, for me, I had an experience with God. I was in my sister's living room and was totally healed. Went in a church. Started going to a church after that. Ten months. Was in, was, started learning the word. It was a seven-year process of being in the word. But, t- but after that first ten months, I went on my first mission trip. And so, not only did I have an experience and was equipped with something, but then I was put in a position to release it into someone's life. And I believe that's really the biggest downfall in the growth of a person's individual life, their relationship with God is they have an experience, they have the word, but they don't release it into someone's life. For me, the cycle of discipleship is an experience with God, being equipped with the right things and engaging yourself to influence someone else's life. That's why when you walk out the doors today, it might've been too windy to put it up, but every week you'll see, go influence your world. Why? Because what you learn in here is you need to release it out there. Amen. And as, as, as Annette said, and the Lord told her, just those finishing touches, you know, that polished arrow. Every, everyone put, pull your arm back and hold, hold like you're, you're about to shoot an arrow. And just pray this after me. Father God, Father God I, thank you I thank you for the work you began in me. For the work you began. I thank you for the finishing touches. 
that you're doing in my life. I thank you, Father. That is my season of release to influence the world with the word of God, the love of God, and the presence of God. In Jesus' name. Now release your arrow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there's some, some things that you'll be hearing from the pulpit here soon and, and things that um, Rick's have Rick developing and as it pertains to leadership. And there's going to be some leadership training that we're going to be offering I don't believe it will just help you as your function here within the church, but I believe it will help you in your personal life, your, if you own a business or future ministry, whatever it is. And there's some things that we're going to be having because we're, as a church, we're at a leadership lid, so to speak. We have great things that we want to do, um, but now it's, it's, um, it's transitioning that into, into leaders that have our hearts, but also have our process on how we do things. Um, because because God's given us a process on how we're going to 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 reach this community, and so that's the way. It's been preparation season. It's been pruning seasons. Mm-hmm. It's been all these different things. And so so when you start hearing things about leadership, and you're hearing, you know, don't don't hesitate now. If you're not serving in, in a department right now, you need to start serving somewhere. Yeah. You know, you know, part of your discipleship is serving. I, I would not be able to do anything that I'm doing now if it didn't start serving. And people say, well, well you know, I, done, I did those, I, I ushered, ushered for 12 years. So why are you just sitting doing nothing now? It, it, it's not, it, it, what I'm just saying is, is you always need to be doing something. Amen. Always being, well, I, I paid my time or I paid my dues. The thing is, is, no, don't look, then you're making it about yourself. Right. Let's make it about the body. Hallelujah. Let's make it about the body. It's the body of Christ. It's the body. This is a body of believers. We're a family. And I'm not saying any of those things to condemn anyone. I'm just saying is, is, is get, it, get, into, get into position. Get into position. Because it's even those positions that God will continue to, those fine touches. And please hear this. This is not about your salvation. Our salvation happened at Calvary accepting Jesus. This is about you fulfilling what God created you to do. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah.